Hello, and welcome to Shakespeare, the official Lion Face Productions podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we continue our work on Love's Labor's Lost. If you live in Northwest Ohio and would like to get involved with our organization, be it to act, direct, or anything else theater-related, please reach out to us at facebook.com slash lionfaceproductions. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Shakespeare and at ShakespearePod on Twitter. And now, on with the show. And that was Cassie Smells the Spear. In the new portion. <laughs> you said you weren't recording! <laughs> I just started. I started as Cassie put the glass to her nose. You're uncomfortable with the way this smells? I am. It, it smells like... Beer those... shouldn't smell like sausage. I'm smells sorry, like... I'm going to take a hard line on that. It smells like Hickory Farms. It smells like what we should buy my dad for Christmas. Tastes like Hickory Farms, too. Hickory Farms remembers. Hickory Farms does remember. Wait, that's Pepper Farms. That's Pepper Eckridge Farms remembers. Pretty sure. I hope that smoked in a good way and not liquid smoke and I don't die tomorrow. Okay, so. Love's labors lost. The big question of this play. Was it actually lost? Do we need a Love's Labors one? I'm Ryan Hathill. <laughs> and this is Shakespeare's. <laughs> Look, I didn't realize he was recording. I was responding to my wife about something because of the story I was telling before we started recording. Was like, she asking why there was a, uh, why there a was digital a, van in your... Why there was a van parked at, yeah, uh, a work van parked at our house. And I had to fill her in on why there was a work van parked at our house. Fanner. Uh, yeah, well, the guy's van started breaking down and then I had to give him a ride home. Well, this is still Shakespeare's and I'm still Ryan Halfhill. You're not Ryan Halfhill. You're Elizabeth Roars. I'm Ryan Halfhill. He's Chase Greenlee. And that's, that's a Cassie Greenlee. <laughs> that's a really short, cold open. You didn't even give him anything. <laughs> no, that's fine. He told me we were recording, so I The last I episode was like an hour and ten minutes long. We're good. Okay, that's fair. And also, this episode, depending on how we meet stuff out, will probably be fairly hefty because we also have uh, mine and Cassie's... Our uh, Medford our, recollections. Yeah, uh, that we mine from Medford Part 2. Part 2. Uh, loving Boogaloo. No. No. Loves Labor's Boogaloo? <laughs> Loves Labor's Boogaloo. There we go. No. No, it's it's canon. Official. <laughs> yep. But we, we recorded our immediate <laughs> reactions. I am a notary. We I'm recorded our immediate reactions. Um, I'm a notary of this podcast. After the play was done and we got back from it. I'm a notary of the state of Ohio. Your mom's a notary. Hashtag Lori Holt. And I'm done. Oh, I'm God. out. Those reels are done. so far behind us. Wow. And this way is Shakespeare. Anyway, anyway yeah, yeah. it's just been scra- nice. We should just scrap it and start again. No, no, we can't. Oh, uh, Cat, no, Cassie and Chase were just in Medford. Wow. They saw yeah. Love's Labor's Labor's Lost. There was and, no glory hole. Uh, and so if this episode is incredibly short, it that uh, audio, because we did record, imme- well, somewhat immediate reactions after that. And it was that night. Yeah, it was that night. and uh, so Which I, I am very much looking forward to here. I really enjoyed uh, Live from Medford Part 1. I might actually mm-hmm. listen to that podcast. Since you're not in it. Because you don't have to listen to yourself. 
Yeah, I'm worried that I'm not funny, and if I'm not funny, I'll stop well, being. You funny. are funny, so I actually listened to the podcast for the first time while we, while we were out in Medford. I would just like to say that I listen to every episode. So do I. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Cassie. My husband listens to every episode, so it's already getting one for the house. All right, is that how it works? <laughs> one for the house, you're done. <laughs> He loves me and thinks I'm yeah, we funny. we saw this. We had the opportunity. Uh, we we had two shows where we said yes, we know we want to see these, and then we had the opportunity to pick one other one. And um, unfortunately, their production of Henry V was not one that fit into our schedule at all. Schedule. We couldn't fit it into that, schedule. that would have probably been fantastic to see out there. And sure. the the uh, guy who played King Ferdinand in this actually played Henry V. Oh, yeah? And I think I talk about this in the Medford bit. I really, after seeing this, really wish we could have seen Henry V because he is a skinny little stick of a person. Oh, yeah. And, and so I'd be really Henry interested v, yeah. to see him as Henry V. So there is... Very a, talented. There is a bit, and I'm sure we talk about this in the other episode as well, yeah. but I do want to point this out for, for the benefit of you two. Um, there is a bit where uh, they are, you know, all of the, the four guys are sitting the at the edge scene. of the stage. Yeah, beginning is, uh, of the show. Um, and they are in want of a prop. So uh, the guy who plays Barone. Which, Barone jumps out into the audience is like, hey, can I run your program real quick? Grabs the program, jumps back like up. Like leafing through it. And starts like, like oh, you're playing two kings this year? Congratulations. Good for you. And was, then keeps going with the regular scene. Yeah, no, it, was, it was hilarious. That's it was good. Really no, that's funny. Good. No, and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Henry V would have been great to see there. Yeah, like, that's um, a show that I would love to see. There, I, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, and so. But with our with our schedule, um, we could have seen either Love's Labors or R and J, and so we talked back and forth for a while about which one to go I'm and see. Really conflicted right now to which play he doesn't like. <laughs> But no, I not. didn't. I'm not. I didn't want to see R and J because I'm directing R and J next year, you and so I don't. Yeah. Yep. And so I was like, well, let's go see this random Shakespeare play that we've never heard of before. And I'm really glad we went and, and saw it because it was very well performed. Mm-hmm. Um, the music for it was incredible. Yeah. It One was... of the things you can say about this play is that, oh, it was very well performed because what it is not is well put together. Yeah. I will and not what, take that it it's not well written because the written words. No, 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 there, there are some great. great words in it. It's just it's not well put together. And but, also, seriously, hey, so Medford or um, uh, Oregon Shakespeare Festival, you liked our tweet about the la- about our live at Medford episode. So thank you for that. Oh um, no, that's awesome! I didn't know that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, they, they liked our tweet about that. Oh yeah, that's um, awesome. If you are listening, please release the soundtrack to Love's Labor's Lost. Also. Send us out to watch more of your show. Oh, we'll yeah, no, seriously. Like, yeah, we'll, seriously, we'll podcast all we're, your shows. We're screaming into the void about this, but if you're picking up what we're putting down, like, we would love to talk Shameless to your actors. self-promotion. Yeah, if we would love to talk to your actors, your directors. We want to see everything. We want to see the whole, the everything that you're putting on in a year. And if there is a way that you can help us do that, we would be honored and thrilled to do it. We have a friend who lives up there. We can even sleep on his couch. And That's true. Put us up. And he, they're buying a house. I know, yeah, so... We saw the house, it's super cute. I have an aunt that lives up on Iowa Road, she'll put me up, it's cool. I'll just live real close to downtown. You guys can stay with Tyler, though. No, that's fine, I'll I'll crash crash on his couch. I'll play Um, with Tallulah, she loves me. 
It's yeah, it's true. I'm just, by the way, super jealous of you two. Yeah, uh-huh. because you guys, you guys got to meet Tallulah Jack before I did, mm-hmm. and Uncle Ryan is sad about that. So, uh, why do all kids love Chase? Is it because he's a giant child? I think that has a lot to do with it. Because look at this, look at this putum. Look, is a good putum. Even Michael, who is a little standoffish, like he'll talk to anybody, but he's a little standoffish. It takes him a minute. Yeah, to get cuddly, he cuddled up with. This guy, crawling underneath his Hogwarts robes. Well, that's because he was cold. Yeah. And Chase I, is a space heater. I'm very... I am warm and cuddly. Like, I, I am optimal teddy bear. It's true. For a pretty skinny guy, too, You are very skinny for it. I mean, it, I'm a, it's expected of me. I'm big, I'm hairy, I'm soft in places. <laughs> soft in places? Well, yeah, but, you know, yeah. the human body gets soft in places. So the, I'm soft in lots of places as well. The production that we saw <laughs> was very well done. Uh, scene 4-3 with the guys discovering their, you know, whatever was some of the funniest no, it, yeah, I'm comedy I've ever seen. I'm on. definitely super excited to actually listen to the stuff you guys recorded after you went. Because I was, one, hearing about the production of Othello that you guys went to out there... Um, made me super stoked about trying to see that show again, for mm-hmm. one. Uh, it's just who... so hard to find good productions of that show. Yeah. yeah. We all, we live in middle... middle we, we live in Ohio, in northwest Ohio, and there's not a lot of great productions of Othello. There's not a lot of great Shakespeare being done um, in this area. I know, we're slacking. Yeah, we've been on Shakespeare up? in a while. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, the most recently a staged reading, and then we're looking at another one coming. Although soon. I did mm-hmm. uh, earlier yes. tonight, actually, I did go see BG High School's production of Comedy of Errors. Oh yeah, I heard um, that was really good. Which was really, really well done. I was very impressed. You like the Monokmai? I did like the Monokmai. Um, and they condensed the show into about an hour. Okay. Which I'm pr- they, that play doesn't there suffer was, from that. And there was there was no. B plot of any sort, so I'm sure that whatever there is in the script of a B plot. Oh yeah, cut. they cut. They cut the. B it plot was then. just the twins. Well, then let's take a and their hijinks after our next history. Why don't we mid- line that one up as the next? You know what we comedy? could do because I know for a fact that you know people that we could. Do you do. want me to get some guest? Uh, we could. We could children get... on. Yeah. who have that experience. Oh, we could get show. You. I don't. <laughs> First of all, glory hole jokes go way down when there's a kid in it. I mean, I'm just, okay. Have you heard me? Maybe we do a tertiary episode where they're on it. Uh, but we could also, like, if we want to, we could also pull the other Ryan for confusion's sake. Right. Because yeah, he was yeah. also heavily involved with the production yeah, of that could, being the technical director. We could, definitely. All of the Brecht? That one. Todos los Brecht. Todos. I actually don't like Brecht, but that's a completely different Because thing. there's... No reason to. Because there's a rape ballet in the one. <laughs> well, that was Darren. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Calling you out, Kerr. We're talking about Mother Courage, by the way. Yeah. In yeah, case mother- anybody's like, Brecht, what's that? Bertolt Brecht. Mother Courage is a terrible play. It's so meta, it hurts. Because oh, it's Brecht. Why did I watch Did you? Why did I watch that? Did I think you, you made me. me that? I think I made you. Come okay. with me. Because we <laughs> just started dating. And I was still on heavy painkillers. Speaking of glory holes. <laughs> and I'm done. <laughs> My wife has now walked away from the table. Cassie has quit the podcast. Sex jokes are all good till she accidentally makes a faux pas. And we until jump actually, she, 
Until she Freudian slips over there, and then all of a you're sudden the all bets are off. You're the one who made him come. Not me. <laughs> so, yeah, can we talk made, about I've the never made come. So, so what do we want to jump in first? Thank God. What do we want to <laughs> jump into first here? Do we want to jump into the does it need a love labors one? Do we want to save that to the end? Do no, we I think, about, like, let's, let's can we go talk s- about Jalapeno and his friends? Let's go straight into Love's Labors 1. Okay. We got we were getting into it at the end yeah. of the last episode, episode 26. Um, so, well, actually, I don't know. I, I, we're going to release... Uh, when are we releasing Live for Men for Part 2? Because that will affect the number. It will probably go in with the tag at the end. Because you guys got to, you guys got to be the quarter episode. You got yeah. to be the quarter century mark. That's true. Awesome. Which yeah. uh, we didn't get a chance to celebrate because you guys... I'm getting stink eye from No, Beth. you're getting confused eye. Stink eye is the left eye. <laughs> actually, quarter century is the right mark. Well, no, but it was episode 25. Wait, does that mean that we get to be syndicated now? We've been recording for a year. Mm-hmm. Our spouses have put up with this for a year? Well, 25 is only 50 weeks. Fair. So we are not at the full year mark yet. This, I believe the first this, episode think, was released in December. No, it was it was November. It was, was Thanksgiving. It oh yeah, because we right, put it out for people to listen to while oh, right, they were traveling. Yep, yep. I remember that but because Thanksgiving was a trying time so last year. The reason that we think it's longer right. is because we did two. We separate. did we, we did start recording uh, unofficial. Or Apocrypha. Yeah, the Apocrypha was started. We started to record the Apocrypha in September. Something like I that. I don't like August. It. <laughs> August or September. It was warm out. I'm going to go with the Hickory Farms beer. It's not my favorite. Um, but, so anyway. Beer shouldn't but, taste but like yes, sausage. Congratulations on getting to be episode 25. Yeah. Uh, the last episode, the one the, that we recorded, will actually officially come out. Will be our one year anniversary as well. Yeah. Did you bring the champagne? I didn't, but I brought beer. I brought uh, sausage beer, which is gross. <laughs> There's a quarter bottle sitting on the top of the fridge from our wedding that you, you Ew, shouldn't drink. Gross. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Don't drink that. You guys have been married a while. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, not. Okay. So not loves anyway, labors, loves labors lost. Twice. Loves labors lost. Loves labors won. I'm gonna go out here before I reread this. Very quick succession. I don't think you need Love Slavers One. I don't think you do either. And there, we should we should. Are we be actually clear. all gonna agree? I think so. I, yeah. And we should be clear that we don't know that there is a Love Slavers One. There's no definitive evidence. There's I guess I, there's some to suggest that that play was written and performed and just hasn't survived. Um, okay, well then I guess... But there's no I guess definitive, it, yes, there was, no, I there guess, wasn't. I guess if we're all going to agree, though, that there doesn't need to be a Love's Labor's one, how about we ask the question of, do you actually think there was? I don't think there actually was. I, I don't either. I don't know. I, I don't think Shakespeare would have wasted his time... To do that. Oh, please. I think, I think Shakespeare wasted his time constantly. The, the mm-hmm. only... the only He's trying to make a buck. I mean, he might have wasted his time exactly. to make a buck. But... The, my thing is, the guys at the end of this play spend a lot of time talking to the girls about what they will do when the time is up and how they will be faithful and how they will fulfill this vow that they're making. They spend a lot of time setting up those conditions if there was not anything written as a payoff. So you're saying 
maybe there was at one point in time, because we know that the Love Slavers Lost that we have that survives has been re-edited, has been rewritten, was rewritten by Shakespeare. So maybe there was a Love Slavers one, and it did so poorly or didn't make any sense, or called forth demon witches from another planet. Who knows? I mean, back I wasn't in the time there. of fire and blood. We need the Shakespeare time We need the Shakespeare time machine. Exactly. Which is apparently in Medford. Yeah. Which is a TARDIS, people. It's a TARDIS. <laughs> um, um, but the reason I say that there's no way Shakespeare didn't do sequels. Well, the histories do not count. Shakespeare didn't do sequels. No. Histories don't count. So... Shakespeare did not do sequels. Fine, fine. There's no Hamlet 2 as much as there was a movie called Hamlet 2. Which is probably just one of the greatest pieces of comedic art out there, outside of Mr. Bean. I would watch Hamlet 2, though, if the entire play is a deliberation of, what the fuck do we do with Denmark now? It's Fortinbras and Horatio just sitting at a table. It's like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, but it's Fortinbras and Horatio are alive. Instead of tennis, do they play basketball? And they just sit there? No, they sit there and they drink while they try, while Horatio tells Fortinbras what he's going to do with Denmark, and Fortinbras tells Horatio what he's going to do with Denmark. All right, we got to save that for Hamlet. Because eventually we're going to get to Hamlet, and I'm going to talk about Kenneth Branagh and blowing spit bubbles in the theater during Fortinbras scenes and why Fortinbras is always cut out. Anyway. Because even Rufus Will can't say that shit. And but, I love Rufus Will. I do. But you're right. Shakespeare, there, there's no they other Shakespeare play that has a sequel. And... Yeah, I, I maintain that Henry IV, one and four two they don't fit the natural transgressions of histories. In fact, the entire hollow crown, the fact that we've got the same characters who are progressing, and they are the same characters. It's still not a sequel. It's, a, it's historical. It's historical. It's the but history. They feel the histories they, are removed, because obviously all they, of the histories follow in a line. But, and how many times do you see, like, we think of sequels as a natural thing, because so much of our popular culture happens with sequels. How many times, like, trilogies, mm-hmm. almost every book I start, I'm like, okay, when's the next one coming out? If I get a maybe, solid, just one-shot book, I'm like, ooh, this novel, it's so good. Maybe Shakespeare was trying something and he goes, so guys, about this play that I wrote, I'm gonna write another one and they're like, no, with the sequence. same characters. I'm gonna call it a series and then people are like, Shakespeare, Do I have dumb. to be the same guy again? Yeah, so that's, it's... That's dumb, Shakespeare. It's not something that... Burbage. <laughs> Burbage was like, fuck this. <laughs> So what the fuck? It's a terrible <laughs> idea. They'll never come Will. see. It's all you. Will. Can. No. Well, it's like my my kids did a devising script a few years ago. And they, it was a group that meshed really well, melded really well, wrote a really solid play. Because with devising classes, sometimes you could, sometimes you stuff. get mm-hmm. really random stuff. I've seen but, devised yeah. scripts before. Yeah. But, but this one was actually, it was well contained. It had a, a good through line, a good storyline, good character growth for everybody. And the kids that were in that class got really attached to their characters. And they kept joking around about, we want to write the sequel um, with these characters. And they had a storyline and they had a title and, and all this kind of stuff. And they kept saying, can we write this sequel? And I said, you can. We have a script writing program every fall. If you want to write a sequel to the show and put it up for one act, you absolutely can do that. But you have to keep in mind that a majority of the people who come to see it are not going to have seen the first one. Right. And so you have to write it in a way that it can stand on its own. 
there's not a lot of sequel plays, period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Throughout 420 years to now. And the I ones that one. exist aren't that good. There's a sequel that was written to Miracle Worker, which is awful. Really, after she learns how to sign, what more is there? It's when she's a young adult. It's a vaguely romantic something or other. So and it's more it, of just of a Helen Keller biop? Yeah. And not... I'm also not, 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 I'm also not a two. fan of the Miracle Worker. I can think of two. Uh, there, and Cassie's going to be angry at both of these. Oh, I'm excited. Excellent. Well, one of them is, um, uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child Part 2. I'm gonna throw something at you. What's the other one? Amy Warbucks. I hate you so much. She threw a Reese's at me, which is really (laughs) saying something because my wife loves those. Amy Warbucks, the sequel, the sequel... Is the word what is it? What is a sequel? The sequel. There's a sequel to Annie. In <laughs> yeah. case nobody knew that, I didn't know there's that. a are sequel. You, are you Disco Dad? There, I thought that was the just the Cursed Child. I didn't know there was a Cursed Child. It's too. Cursed Child One and Two. Yeah. Oh. It's it's the same play, but apparently there was so much content that they had to split it up over two performances. But no, like Harry Potter. Book seven, movie part one, and book seven, movie part two. Kind of. Yeah. Okay, that was dumb. J.K. Lowell. But, but yes, actually, the there is there is a the sequel to there. Annie. It's called Annie Warbucks. It takes place immediately following Annie. Cassie There's played Annie. Cassie played Annie. Right, it's the right, most important this part. Is, this is, wait, wait. Chase wait, is drunk. I need to explain to our, our, our theater audience the look on Cassie's face. Like, this is the most, like, <laughs> like derision I have ever seen. Cassie is generally upbeat and and positive, yes. and but this is the most derision I have ever witnessed in Cassie Greenlee's face. I was I in this production when I was nine. It was not a great experience, and video footage exists in the world. And I'm really upset about I mean, that. I, so, um, so we're gonna need that. So here's the thing. Cassie hey. has given me this footage as a gift, and I have given her the gift of never watching it. Mr. Guyon? <laughs> no, well, Chase has it. I'm gonna need that. Keith and Wendy also have it. That's what I, that's why I said Mr. It's the Guyon. biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. Well, we can make Chase watch it with We can us. make you make bigger mistakes. <laughs> you married Chase. Uh, that was a mistake. mistake. <laughs> when he makes that face and waves like that? That is a <laughs> Chase is a delight. Chase he is. is a delight. We've anyway. also applied Chase with enough beer that I think he's a little tipsy. A little bit. His hair keeps getting ruffled. <laughs> it gets better and better every time, too. I know. I enjoy it. Anyway. So back to this Back play. to this so play. I think that we're all pretty much on this. Like, it doesn't really need one. If it was, if there was one that ever existed, I think it's been rewritten to be a, con- like, into the back end of this play so we know what's going to happen. So rewriting in mm-hmm. here all of the things that the guys are going to They're do. They're going to do and yeah and like It kinda I don't I don't need to see another play. And that's yeah. why that's why I think and that I, Shakespeare if he'd have wanted a resolution, a firmer resolution than what is there, <laughs> he would have written it. Yeah. So I I, I don't know, but and I was always I'm always curious. Like, what's odd is that we actually all agreed yeah, on something. How do you put up a play that doesn't really have a, a conclusive end? Well, you make it bittersweet the way this is. Yeah, and it is a bittersweet ending. Stage, stage and properly. I do, and and one of the things that I do like about it is that it's this really, and this you know could argue for there was never a sequel. 
is that it's a really solid parallel to the beginning where right. they're making this like we're gonna fast and we're gonna follow this strict diet and we're not gonna talk to girls and we're no gonna do talking this for to ladies years. and it's just to prove how studious we are and what good students we are and then they break that vow almost immediately and then at the ladies, end uh, ladies yeah. showed up and then at the end when they're like oh we love you let us marry you let us go back to France with you and they're like no 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 because you've made these promises before but we switched tokens, and you couldn't even tell who we were. So if you want to marry us, you're going to have to work for it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to prove that you're serious about this and that you've changed from this vow that you made three days ago and then immediately broke when you were reminded, oh, girls are coming here. I like yep. ladies. So along with this parallel, so we start off the play with Ferdinand, and if you, you have to ignore Armand's song, because yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Might as yes. well ignore it. But Ferdinand starts off the, what the vow should be, what the contract mm-hmm. is, and we get a nice parallel here with the princess at the end telling us what their vow should be again, mm-hmm. and the consequences of not upholding the vow. So there is a beautiful parallel there yeah. between the two. Um, and it, it actually makes it tight. It does. It really does. And so I, the play, yeah. we talk a lot about, we make fun, we made fun of how quick acts one, two, and three go through and how the actual plot line is really meh. You've got four guys here who all say they'll never love women again. And then four women show up and they really love those women. And then there's some mistaken identity with a letter, which is really contrived. And then they figure it all out and they have a dance. We love each other, and then they go away. But the writing itself is really tight. Mm-hmm. And Shakespeare's a great writer. We all know Shakespeare's a great writer, but he did some really good stuff. There are some really good words. There yeah. are there well, are good really words, good words in there. And here. there's really good tie-ins from the front to the back yeah. to make it all work yeah, together. I agree. And I think he's wasted a couple of characters in the middle of this play. I agree. I agree. And I I really like that message in a story that has romance in it of no 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 it's not enough to just vow that you're going to love me forever i need you to show that with your actions and back it up with how you behave that i feel like that stipulation a lot of other shakespeare characters and a lot of other plays could have benefited from <laughs> romeo juliet <laughs> yeah you know just, just saying show um, me your devotion well we're, and we've talked about othello and desdemona mhm this vow they make to love each other forever that they're willing to fly in the face of what's norm but the first time they're tested he murders her they shit the bed on that <laughs> what <laughs> they shit the bed on that probably she was strangled and I hear that happens god um, damn it you made me drop my own joy <laughs> if it wasn't a baby roof <laughs> um so but, and uh, the characters yeah. in this, you were right. This play feels very modern. It does feel very modern. you could put this on in any time period and you're going to mm-hmm. be fine. If you modernize even the language to it, it still fits just just fine. Mm-hmm. This We all know these characters in our day-to-day lives. And we, I love... All of them. I was going to say I love the ladies. I love the princess and... Because the other two... The other two are interchangeable and, and throwaways, and it's just to increase well, the same thing, by having four. Right. Same thing with Lagavulin and Dum Dum. <laughs> yes. Um, but I love... Yes. Well, I mean? no, that's, I'm, I'm actually... 
you know, they've got the smoky beer, so I mean, the yeah. smoky scotch would Oh, maybe be... that's why I don't like it, because I really don't like scotch. I don't like that. But but the princess like... and, and Rosalind, I love them as characters, because they're so smart. They're very witty. And... and they banter with these guys, and then they do this, ha ha ha, let's switch places and see if they can figure it out. And when the guys don't figure it out, they, like, call them out on it. They get pissed, and they go, hey, you motherfucker. Yeah. And, and I love that. I love that they're standing up to these It's not a these ha- boys. just a ha-ha moment. Yeah, and it's and it comes back then in the end, when they're like, we vow to be... Well, you've already vowed that, and you vowed it to somebody else thinking she was me. So, well, you, you are going like, to have to prove... The, these women, this group of women, has more agency than most female characters that Shakespeare... Mm-hmm. Not that Shakespeare has written female characters by agency, but in this play is one of the only times, and then maybe that is also why it feels more modern as well. So, one of the characters that we talk about throughout Shakespeare is a female, a strong female with a lot of agency is Portia. Yeah. From Merchant of Venice. And Portia and her handmaid, whose name escapes me right now. Nerissa. Nerissa. They play the same kind of game mm-hmm. of the trinket. Just in not a great context. Not a great context. Portia and Nerissa should have been in this show. <laughs> yeah. Instead of the background interchangeable. No, no, because I wouldn't do any of Yeah, instead of whatever the other two But when, when they give away the wedding rings, when they give away the rings, the babies yeah. swore never to give away, even if they're giving them away to Portia and Nerissa, they don't know it. Yeah. And at the end of it, those two women are like, ha-ha. They gave call them out on it. They call yeah. them out on it, but it's a ha-ha, you gave it away. Mm-hmm. And now there's no consequence for your action. Yeah, exactly. Whereas with these girls, there it's, is a consequence for your action of not. It's you have to prove to me that this is more. Yeah. yeah, that this is more than just empty words and little boy lust. So, like you and have a year to. And a day is is mourning. So yeah. a year and a day is mourning. Yep. Um, well, so she has to mourn for her father, and so. Yeah. Yeah. So she can't. I mean, she can't get married anyway for a year and a day. Yeah. She has to go all the way through morning to get married. But, because that makes any sense. Because it wouldn't hold for a man. A man could have gotten married the next day, but a woman has to go through a year and a day. <clears throat> well, we're smashing the patriarchy here, so, you know. Right here, right now? Right now. Mm. The fact that the fact that these women literally look at these guys, and instead of going, ha, 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 you fucked up, but we're going to love you anyway. Sure, which, come with us to France. Wait out my year and a day with me. Which happens in a lot of Shakespeare's yeah. comedies. And, they, and that's why I say this is not a romance, because it does, you know, it, you know, so many days, but there's no wedding at the end. I need to know, you need to come up with a new category for all of the romances that don't fit your idea of what no, a, ro- a, a romance No, is. a romance happens in three days and there's a wedding at the end. Right. That is a romance. Those are, so, that's a subset of the comedies. So what's this? It's comedy. Okay. A subs a subset of the comedies is called the romances, and these all take three. To, you know, it's three, romance with a capital R. Yeah. Ooh. It's three that days. Sounds French. It's three days or less with a wedding at the end. Mm-hmm. Say that because because Arthur and the romances. Because the tempest is like three hours, and there's a wedding at the end. <laughs> yeah. We think uh, it's only three hours. Who knows what Ariel's yeah. doing? Who but knows? yeah, but I. I really like the female characters in this show. And I think this is one of the shows that has the most. There are four females who, five females who speak frequently. Yeah. 
Um, I know that the two are interplaceable for you. The what is it, Catherine? And they William? have they have a de- decent amount of lines. They have, and they have they just don't have a lot in the way of personality of their own. And right. then you have Jacquinetta. Oh, Jacquinetta! I want to play you. She does what she wants. She does what. She, she why shouldn't she? Shouldn't let no man keep her down. So, uh, Jacquinetta is an interesting. I'm going to call it an archetype, even mm-hmm. because Shakespeare will pull this character out. Frequently, and it's very common to pull out this pastoral idea of the shepherdess, mm-hmm. and that's what Jacqueline is. And we've got it in um, "As You Like It," "Winter's Tale," "Winter's Tale." We have these. What? We have these female characters. Their only point, and, and this might be Shakespeare pointing a pointing a finger at this as well, because she's now been seen with three men and she's pregnant. The only point of these pastoral shepherdesses is to be sexual objects for city folk who go out to the country. Then they meet this beautiful maid or this damsel mm-hmm. yep. who's just hanging out with a sheep and fall in love with her because of her purity, her naturalness, um, and they are willing to forego everything for her. And that's how Don Armado Disco Dad. So Disco Dad, who is hot, he's a Don, he's a Duke. Mm-hmm. He's a kick-ass mm-hmm. duke. He's, he's nobility here, and he is so in love with the shepherdess. This, yep. He's, he's become a, enamored of Jacquinetta that, to the point where so Jacquinetta he makes him is fucking bow at the end of the play. She is set upon constantly by these rich men, these titled men, who want her... And Custard. And Custard. And who knows who she actually wants? Because she doesn't say anything. Yeah. She doesn't tell you who she wants. She's like, okay, who is this letter by? But she gets three years of child support out of things at the end she of does. it. So. She does. But she also gets settled with the child. Mm-hmm. Which there is very rarely do we see in restoration comedies anybody having to pay the price for their dalliances. Other than death. Death's yes. <laughs> Des- but she didn't do it. That was... No, it wasn't her. It wasn't her, but she paid the price for that dalliance. But we don't see a but lot of... But it showed her on the sofa. Yeah. It wasn't her. No shaggy references. I already did it. I already yeah, did no, it. We're, we're past that at I this did point. It. I done did it. I made a shaggy um, reference. But one of the things... You just dated yourself so bad. The director in Medford did that I really liked is that, again, wrote the music for these transitions. Mm-hmm. In the scene where we find out that Jacqueline is pregnant, she went over and sang this piece all by herself, and it was this really... Like, slow, sad piece about I have this child coming and I don't know what to do about it, and everything's uncertain, and I'm frightened. And it was this really, like, moving, heartfelt moment. And I was really glad that the director gave her a voice in that way. No, no, no. Supplemented to what the script does not give her. And there is a lot of subtext to Jacquinetta. She is what happens. I mean, that is what happens when you... I have a best segue right here, by the way. Okay. We're talking about music. We're talking about a director writing music for the show. But what we haven't talked about is 2000's Kenneth Branagh, Love's Labor's Lost, the musical. That wasn't a very good best segue. It wasn't succinct enough. It was a little windy, but I'll give it to you. Wait, so, was Kenneth Branagh's movie a musical? Yes. Because this was also made into a Broadway musical. Yeah. No, yes, but Kenneth Branagh's film adaptation in the year 2000. With? 
was a musical. Who was in that? Alicia Silverstone. Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. Set in the 1930s. Movie, musical. I need to watch this. And Nathan Melanis starred. And. This sounds awful and I need to watch it. It is bad. I think I have it still on DVD. (laughs) Yes. The, when you the, were talking about the musical, I thought you were talking about Matthew Lillard. No. Matthew Lillard is in it yes, from Matthew, a couple Matthew years Matthew ago. Matthew Lillard is in it. Alicia oh, no. Silverstone. Alicia Silverstone. Oh, Nathan no. Lane. It, oh, yes, no. The, oh, the yes. Kenneth Branagh Shakespeare version, because there is a Kenneth Branagh, you know, you have the Kenneth Branagh Henry he's, I mean, five. He's, he's You have in the it. Kenneth Branagh. Oh, uh, I'm, he's Byron. Yeah. I am so upset by this cover. Oh, wait, he's, yeah, he's Barone. Wait by until this... you actually watch it. You'll oh, be even no. more upset. I believe I got done watching this and probably watched it with you when we were in our tweens. <laughs> That's sure. what she refers to when I was 19 and 20, apparently, was my tweens. Um, tween making bad decisions. That was when we were tween. Um, but I think I wanted my two hours. There was very little time between my bad decisions. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty fucking bad. But um, this was also... Yeah, no, yes, it, there was made into a Broadway musical. But no, I am talking about the shit show that is Kenneth Branagh, the man who gave Ken. us... Ken, come on, dude. The man who gave us probably the best film adaptation of Henry V and also gave us... Thor. And Thor, which actually... His version of Thor is actually pretty good. I didn't like Thor the Dark World as much, but, you know. It also was not Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, but no, Branagh gave us well, the first the first part of Thor. Which like is I the, said. the Shakespearean side of Thor, the these and thous and things like that, which Branagh is known for. Like I said about but, yeah. Shakespeare at the beginning of this podcast, or last episode, rather. Yeah. When you have that much material that you... Create, they can't all be winners. No, it nope, can't. And it wasn't. And I it mean, was, Kenneth Branagh, this is. This it is, felt like watching a Bollywood movie because it was Shakespeare, 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 Shakespeare dance number. <laughs> it's the wild, wild west of Kenneth Branagh's Shakespeare adaptation. And you don't mean just like slinging guns, you mean. No, I mean that Kenneth Branagh was in Wild, Wild West. <laughs> he was. <laughs> This is spoiler alert for the Wild Wild West. He was the Spider Doctor. <laughs> he was the bad guy in Wild Wild West, and that's the, that is the guy. He didn't have legs till he built himself mechanical spider legs. Yeah, and that it was steam powered. Have you ever seen this? It's, movie? it's steampunk western. Really no, but I watched that version of Love's Labor's Lost. <laughs> <laughs> I would too. I watched the steam powered spider leg Love's Labor's Lost, but that guy, the Kevin, Cl- the the Kenneth well, Branagh. Is there an adaptation of Shakespeare that you wouldn't watch at least once, though? Like, if I'm like, hey, I found I found this steampunk Wild Wild West version of Love's Labor's Lost. You down? You want to come watch it with me? You'd be like, yeah. If, and I have said this to you. Hey, I've got the Hamlet uh, written uh, performed in its original language of Klingon. Are you down? Do you want to watch that? Oh, well, yeah, of course. So... Saying, that, was saying that you would watch the steampunk western version of this in a heartbeat, that's a given. I'm also positive that somebody out there has already done it. But the we'll, that- Yeah, we'll watch. If Send us your... Please, I don't know what websites... <laughs> Chase, what's your, what's your email address? <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you just just add us on Twitter. Yeah, we're just on Twitter. Add us, add us with a with a YouTube link. We'll watch yeah, it. Yeah, hit us, hit us with what, an at on Twitter. If you have a bad one, the worst one, send it. We'll watch it. We will. And we'll, we'll, we'll actually it. we will do an episode devoted to it. We'll riff. We'll riff. Can I say riff track? Or is that copyright? Well, we'll. We'll, we'll the, make fun of your shit. We'll give it we'll the old it. MST uh, okay. whatever so I can this say is, yourself. Yeah. This is a good segue. I was trying to make sure that, you Wait, know. she's got a segue. This is okay. a good segue. Um, Wait, because I, still to, I still have to finish my last point on that. Sorry. Fini- no, Sorry. go ahead, finish. But yes, the Kenneth Branagh that played the bad guy in Wild Wild West is the guy who was heartbroken enough to make this a musical. He had to have been heartbroken because it's terrible. They happen, yeah. This was 2000 is when this And Wild Wild West was like 1998, 99. Yeah. All right. Miramax. He was recovering. He was trying to recover from it doing Wild Wild West. It also should be noted West. that, uh, so Kenneth Branagh had done a several, has done several Shakespeare. And yes. Miramax just kind of wrote him a green light. Whatever Shakespeare you want to do, Kenneth Branagh, do it. We're here for you. he's done Hamlet, Much Ado. He's done, he's done Henry, uh, five. Henry Five. He had done a bunch. No. Uh, Miramax canceled that long-standing contract after Love's Labor's <laughs> Lost. So uh, the last three Kenneth Branagh's would not be made again until As You'd Like It was his next one, which I think was like 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was beautiful. It was great. I loved it. So sorry, I, I no, had to interrupt fine. you there just to get that out. I want to hear the segue now. Okay, so there is a web series, literary web series adaptation of Love's Yay! Labor's Lost. Yay! It is. It is called Lovely Little Losers. Well, because alliteration. Because alliteration, and I. They're never going to hear this. I love and respect this production company. It's the same group that did um, Nothing Much to Do. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and Bright Summer Nights, which I also talked about. Which yep, which we, we have talked about these. They yep. are, those are both great. This one was not good. And I didn't even finish it. I only watched like five episodes well, and was like, no. And the, the reason is... The source material, is, though, is part of the problem. The source material is part of the problem. But the other problem that they ran into is that they decided... This goes back to our conversation about sequels. They decided to make this a sequel to their Much Ado project. Mm. And so it was the... Like the halves of the couples from Much Ado, it was their Benedict and their Balthazar and their Don Pedro and a new character that were all um, sharing a flat together and they were tired of the way that they were living and so they instituted these really strict rules for the apartment. Mm. But it didn't quite work. Like that premise works okay. But my problem with that premise was no dating, no girls. When at the start of the story, like Beatrice and Benedict are definitely in a relationship. Yeah, oh yeah, already. So, if you're- and so, Cassie, so they- at the start of this story, Ferdinand had already <laughs> invited the Princess of France. So I'm gonna call <laughs> meh on that. But already yeah. on our way. Already, is- already on our way. He knew there she was is- coming. She was on a boat. She wasn't there on a, a boat. Yeah. It's on the same fucking continent. There wasn't a boat. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally she had to just go across the country. Fair. But yes, there is a literary web series adaptation of this. It's called I'm, I'm glad the there Little is. Losers. I hope they and do hear I this. Like, I hope they get mad. Because you know what? Mad fat props to those kids. No, they and and like oh, well, who we does? Absolute... Cassie Greenley. 
absolute kudos to them for tackling it. And yeah. and I like a lot of the ideas they had, but the execution for me trying to make it a fell sequel. flat yeah, yeah, because unnecessary sequel. I think if they'd taken the same premise but created but new it, characters, yeah, yeah, it would yeah. have worked better for me. Yeah, because Billy Shakes don't do no sequels. Yeah. That's what we've decided. And also because... They added a weird love triangle into it because... Uh, you can't add a love triangle to this because yeah, it's already... I mean, because, it has one. Because the endgame couple was two of the people... Like, two of the bros were an endgame couple for it. Oh, cute. Which I mean, was, that's, like, that's that great. was great, but that doesn't fit the structure of... Uh, yeah, no, it, little, it does, yeah. ...of Love's Labor's Lost, because then you lose the... Like, I mean, it's a great idea, and it's, it's great to try and, yeah. you know... So those kids from New Zealand right now are going, Yeah, that's why we called it an adaptation. Huh? Huh? Yeah, you fucking asshole yank. And I want to make it very clear, because... Not that any of them are ever going to find this, um, but I did... I have just, minor I Tumblr interactions with a couple of the actors in this that I love. Nothing much to do. I think it's brilliant and well done. And you all seem like lovely people. Uh, well, there's a picture of you all. <laughs> there's like, a picture of you on my thing because I backed your Kickstarter. I am just really happy that there is a group of young people out there because despite what Ryan says, we're not young anymore. No, I didn't say we were young. I'm old. No, no, this was. Um, oh, we're not middle aged. Yeah, you're. That, I'm not no, middle aged. Specifically, are not middle aged. This was from our board meeting two days ago. It's in the that was not recorded. It's, it's in the yeah, middle. It's not, in the midst. We're not. We're not middle aged. But I'm really happy that there young, is a group of young people out there who are thinking enough about Shakespeare to be consistently making adaptations. Well, I and, think that's amazing. And for them to sit down and go, we want to do another Shakespeare adaptation. Which of these plays should we tackle? Oh, how about Love's Labor's Lost? Like, no, mad props to them for that. That's like so, that's like me that. deciding that the first play I was gonna first play I was ever gonna direct was gonna be Titus Andronicus. Yeah, because that's what I did. In hindsight, you know, doing rape scenes in the park is not a great idea. <laughs> it was off stage. It was off stage. I, ugh. It was off stage. Yeah. I was presenting at a board for what Shakespeare's I would like to do. Or the question came up of what Shakespeare would like to do. And there was somebody who was at that board meeting, uh, or was at that play committee meeting, that had seen Titus. And they're like, well, would you be interested in doing any of the shows that you've already that Lion Beast is already done. Would you be interested in something like Titus Andronicus? I'm like, I don't feel that this particular theater uh, will do well with rape scenes on stage. So, no. If I can't do... Well, then, then that's their problem. That is their problem, so I won't do Titus on their stage. I also wouldn't do Toyer. There's I would do Titus on anybody's stage. It's their problem if they can't handle what the, what the source material is when you're talking uh... about Shakespeare. Yeah, but when you're deciding on a season for you want to match theater, to the audience that you you can put. I think you can push an audience and push an audience and push an audience. But there is a time when which you're doing only uh, like Charlie's aunt and blue hair shows that you don't just slap Titus in that season. It's it's <laughs> well, like, no, I make them gradually watch. work them. No, up I make them watch tape first. <laughs> <laughs> you okay? You you have to move the audience to a second location and do it at the hotel. That's why and you if you're working your if you're working up to a, yeah. to that for Titus, maybe that's what Brecht is for. <laughs> that is what Brecht is for. Right, Mother Courage. Them up to Titus. Mother Courage is to work people up to uh, rape scenes on stage. 
But no, I mean... This is a weird episode, guys. This is a weird episode. Well, I think that we... There's a couple of episodes that we've had and a couple of plays that we've dealt with that there are... There's not a lot that we have to say that's very in-depth about the play itself, but we do have other stuff that we can come back to. You wanted to read I, part of yeah, scene Yeah, so five. I think... No, I, I, I want to I have you guys do that. Definitely. So, just at the top of Act 5, Scene 1... Um, between Holofern and yeah, and yeah, Jalapeno and Nathaniel there. Jalapeno and Nathaniel and over they. here. Um, so it starts out. They just, I guess, they're still probably sitting in that ice cream shop. Ice cream shop, right? So status quo sufficient. I praise God for you, sir. Your reasons at dinner have been sharp and sententious, pleasant without scurrility, witty without affectation, audacious without impudency, learned without opinion, and strange without heresy. I did converse this quantum day with a companion of the king's who is in... in... I... wow. Intetuled. Intetuled, nominated, or called Dom Adriano de Armado. Novum hominum taquum te. His humor is lofty, his discourse is preemptory, his tongue filed, his eye ambitious, his gait majestical. Majestical? Really? Sorry. His general behavior vain, ridiculous, and thrashmical? Thrasonical. Thrasonical. It means fastidious, according to my notes oh, in the thanks, margin. Martin. Thanks, Norton. <laughs> he is too picked, too spruce, too affected, too odd, as it were, too... Peregrinate. Peregrinate. And as I may call it. A most singular and choice epithet. So, these, like, what, 20 lines, they just called him an idiot. Like, hey, you were really smart at dinner tonight. Thanks. That other guy wasn't. Like, that's... (laughs) But I feel like if you don't take a moment to realize, like, these characters are wasted in this play. They're so fantastic. Well, they're, the, they're 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 too smart for their own good, and ugh. and they also think they're too smart, smart for, for their, their own good. Just, they're so pretentious. They're I like the, the twelve most pretentious people you know, All packed into one. these two characters and squeezed out an icing tube into just. And I think I I, I think that's deliberate, and I don't think Shakespeare tries to deny that at all because no, they're asked to do entertainment, and jalapenos like. Half the things yes, to- the nine worthies. We will put on this tableau, and I will play all of the parts. He spits Latin all over the place. So he's getting a beer right now. So I'm going to quickly talk about one of the this play, this part. These characters are part of that authorship question. Let's quit. He's back. We got to get. We got to go. There is no authorship question. I didn't say there was. I no, I heard you. <laughs> no, you were getting a beer. I heard you. There is no authorship question. Shakespeare wrote his plays. But we have talked in the past in other about other plays about the difference between the language between characters. Mm-hmm. And this is an excellent adaptation because this is all written in prose. It's all in prose. Um, so we're not worried about meter. We're not worried about verse. Uh, but I'm just worried about a shit ton of Latin. A whole lot of Latin. <laughs> a whole lot of it. Every letter is pronounced. Also, you stopped before Holofern's best speech. Oh. Because I don't think you wanted to read it, because it's He draweth out the thread of his verbosity finer than a staple of his argument. I abhor such fantastical phantasms, such insociable and point-devised companions, such rakes of orthography. I don't know what that is. Orthography. Orthography. Isn't that birds? Um, No, that's... Tormentors of spelling. Okay. 
Ooh, that is me. According to Norton. That is me. I am a tormentor of spelling. As to speak doubt, fine. When he should say doubt, debt. When he should pronounce the debt D-E-B-T, not D-E-T. He cleft the calf, kauf, half, half, neighborhood vocator nebor, nay abbreviate nay. Like, this is nonsensical. And what cracks me up about it is they're making fun of him. Like, he pronounced the word debt like debt instead of, like, debit. He, like, he ignored say- the B. What an idiot. Yeah, and he, you're sitting there I didn't like, even um, hear him say the silent B. And when he said nay, he said it like N-E, not like N-E-I-G-H. <laughs> they're so insufferable. Yes. They really are. They are very full of What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't I'm, speak in Latin anymore. Yeah. And um, then we're going to get up and... then and- to throw Moth into the middle there. So Moth is my other favorite character. Actually, Moth is my favorite character in this whole play. Because lovers be damned. Who cares about them? They always end up making out later. So Moth... I just love this part where he... Hold on. I made a note of it. He's talking about... He's talking to Armand and he's trying to get Armand to tell him... To admit how dumb he is. Um... And he, he says that you don't know the gross sum of deuce ace amount. What deuce ace amounts to. So what one and two is. And he goes, I know that it is one more than two. <laughs> and Moth goes, the vulgar of us do call it three. <laughs> so I I would want to play Moth. If this was done, I would want to be Moth. Well, that's actually a vulgar, parallel. Vulgar of that would call it three. Well, let's see. There's a... Are you talking about when Moth is talking to Don Armando? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He mostly interacts with... He, I mean, he's Don Armando's fool. He's, His servant. Yeah. yeah. That's that's his... Yeah, no, and that's, that's that's actually a great conversation the two of them have. In fact... Moth is just sassy. So, there's... When we were talking about the plot, we skipped over almost every scene between the two of them because it doesn't move the plot. None of it There's no the plot involved in it. Just no, it's just mostly bit. moth yeah. mouthing off to Don Armando. Exactly, and Don exactly. Armando not getting yeah. that he's being mouthed off to. Yeah, the uh, wonderful. Um, he's trying but, to talk to him about like how rhyming works, but Moth isn't is insufferable. No, so that's the thing: just, is Moth is so much smarter than his companion, but he's not insufferable about it. Whereas Holofernes and Nathaniel are in insu- my upstairs neighbors are vacuuming. Oh, it sounds like a load of bees. Why are they vacuuming at 10 o'clock at night? It's, they do a lot night. of things. It's midnight. it's midnight. Why are they vacuuming They They do a lot of things late at night that... That's midnight on a Saturday. Maybe that's how they party. Glory hole style? With a vacuum? No. No. No, we weren't even no. talking about glory holes. No. Not, not this time. Not this time. No. no. Hashtag okay. glory hole. No. <laughs> Let's make Cassie quit the podcast. So when we talk about... Because there is so much... Not so much. But you could completely ignore these kind of throwaway characters, I guess. You could actually... You could could take a lot... You You could take Moth completely out of here, pretty much. Except for a couple of things. You could all but take Jacquinetta out of the play. But... The, if, they you are, if you didn't need another letter, like yeah. if, if you didn't need another letter, you could get rid I mean, of. You could even still take her out and just make her an offstage character. Mm-hmm. But they are the see. They're the flavor of this. The, the Latin, yeah. flavor. the Latin flavor. Well, that's dark. disco dash. That's disco dash. <laughs> um, but they add such. You can't, you a can't depth handle to, his yeah. natural heat. But I also want to, and I don't have full, like good words for this, but I want to put it out into the world slightly. Okay. 
Um, and that's about the very distinct tonal shift that takes us into the end of the play. Because you got the the whole thing is just hijinks and revelry, and, and giggles, none of it, and, yeah. and none of it really matters or means anything. It's just these eight privileged, rich lords and ladies. And then a horn goes off, having you know a grand old time playing tricks on each other and showing how smart they are. And then all of a sudden, with this one message that comes in, your father, the king, is dead. Reality, bam! It's like in. reality slams into them. And it's a completely different tone and a complete shift. Well, it's like Anne Hathaway in the Princess Diaries. <laughs> what? I don't, I don't I'm know. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I, I I'm interested. Are you interested? <laughs> I would like you to finish this essay, yes. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. I feel like your thesis is flawed. Damn it, I threw myself under the bus. <laughs> because, because I know the Princess Diaries movies very well, so I want to see where you with go Chris with Pine? this. I watched The Secret with Chris Pine more than I watched the original because it's I've amazing. seen The Secret with Chris Pine. His head looks really big in that, in that movie. Just saying. Um, and, and Hathaway movies are like a guilty pleasure for me. You don't even have to be guilty Chris about Chris Pine movies are just a pleasure for Cassie. Yes. High five. I just watched Wrinkle in Time, by the way. We'll talk about oh, it later. Yes. Anyway. But it's it's really interesting to me that this is... The fact that these eight people have the leisure and the privilege to be able to just hang out. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like I, like I mentioned at the beginning of uh, the last episode. When we, uh, it's like the cast of Friends, yeah. but set in... I have a best segue here for my point. Yeah. Renaissance is, France or Restoration France or, you know, whenever it's actually set because we don't know. Here, here we have... This is my best segue. We have the privilege to look back on this with... Uh, with a good eye that the labors that have lost of love come through when reality smashes yeah. in. So the reality comes smashing in and all of that time you spent playing the game of love doesn't matter. Yeah, and and, and what strikes me is that the, the royal figure for the guys is not a prince. It's not like Prince Hal, who doesn't have any responsibilities, so he's off messing nope, around. No, he's the king. He's the king. He's the king. And, and he's, he's still, still dicking around. Like, he d- apparently doesn't have anything else more important to do. Except for to make decrees about cutting off women's tongues. <laughs> so we can talk about the agency of women here, but I forgot again that they're going to cut off the women's tongues <laughs> until you mention that he was just dicking around as the king. Yeah, the king's yeah. a dick. He's the king, and he decides, I'm not going to talk to any women in my court for three years. Like, what? So Let for- alone the women that already live there. Yeah, like what is there? Is there? Does he have a mother? Are there any princesses of Navarre? Does he have any sisters, siblings of any yeah. kind? What are you going to do? Oh, you shipped them off to a nunnery when he made the announcement. Who's cooking your food? Yeah, and so it's it's just this Barone. really, and so the Ma fact Barona. that the fact that they when we saw this in Medford, I'm Chase side. Everybody saw. When we saw this in Medford, they made a really smart choice, I think, in modernizing it and in making these four boys frat boys. They were college frat boys, and mm-hmm. that's what they were. And that, I think, perfectly fits the mentality of these four characters throughout most of the play. They have no responsibilities. They have no sense of responsibility, even mm-hmm. if they do have actual I've, responsibilities I've, that they're okay. supposed to be attending to. I've been a big boy in the middle of the night drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, having the conversations that these boys have. Yeah. 20 years ago. Failed out of college for it. I know, you were there. hey And we did fail out of college. And we <laughs> did. I didn't. 
I quit first before they could kick me out. <laughs> you can't fail out of college if you quit first. That's right. But what would your grade point average have been that? It was over two. Probably. It was over two. It wasn't great. Look, I look. I carry, look. I wasted a lot of my mom's money at Big Boy, and I don't mean on buttoned food. I <laughs> I carried between a three five and a four in high school without even opening books. Yeah, so. but high school and co- never mind. That's that was. I know that was my problem. I got to college and I didn't have any study habits. The only thing I know is Shakespeare. Kids don't be like Uncle Ryan. Yeah, don't be like Uncle Ryan. But I think that there's a lot that you. There's a lot about this play that you can make relevant yes, by yes. modernizing it and by giving. And I, and I do, yeah, I agree with you 100%. So we were standing in the beer store and both of us were like, this play, not a good one. The more we talk about it and the more we go through it, well, we're like, I, you know what? I would take the time to direct this play. I would take the time to do something with it. Have you noticed because that every time we do one of these? That's the conclusion we come to. That's the to. conclusion we come to because we, we get in depth with it and we look at, we, we throw a harsh light on these plays because we do. But by the end of it, we're like, there's merit here except for King John. No merit there. Charles and Cressida is not great either. No, but we I am the only one who's like, yeah, I do that. We have managed to find merit in plays that other people have not necessarily found merit in. Because we're willing to, as much like as much as I love Shakespeare and have since I was knee high to a pig's eye, ten you know, ten, twelve years old, you know, when I first got into Shakespeare. As much as I have loved it since then, and I have always have, and you know, the number of times I have done pl- Shakespearean plays, and you know, the fact that I wanted to do. A podcast where we sit around and drink and talk about Shakespeare. You should do that. We should. We should do that. The the ability to look at look at it with you know a critical eye, or look at it with the eye of maybe somebody who doesn't understand Shakespeare, or just thinks it's hoity toity bullshit because you have uh, to jalapeno read it. is ha- hoity toity bullshit. <laughs> yes. But you you have to read it in high school and everybody you know, you go you're forced to read it, so it's it's obviously forced to memorize it. Terrible and and everything like that. But the ability to to look at something you love with its flaws and imperfections, you're going to find things that you didn't realize made it great. In ways that you didn't know. Like this play, I've never liked this play, but the more we talk about it. And I think if you make this play about the realities of growing up and about events that happen in your life that force you into adulthood versus the events that you think put you into adulthood. We should have done this if we had thought this through more or had known this. We should have put this one in between uh, Henry IV and Henry V. Yeah. No, because, yeah, it would have been a good spot to put this. Because this is all about, you know, these boys who say we're at this age, we're studying, we're scholars, and that makes us adults. We're, and then super we're so mature. We're so, so smart. Mature. But then yeah. at the end, it's no, no, no. When your parents die, that puts you into an adulthood. When you are forced to come face to face with the responsibilities that you have, that puts you into adulthood. Playing around with your buddies. For three years. 
not showing how girls. smart you are. Yeah. Like that's not adulthood. And I think if you put the focus of this play on that shift, it you, becomes you, something yeah. very powerful. If you really look at it like a coming of age story, yeah, absolutely. Um, then definitely has a lot more merit that way. If you yeah. look at it, if you look at it in a way as like these are all adults already. Then, then you just roll your eyes and they're obnoxious. It's it's Seinfeld. They're shitty adults. Yeah, but but if you <laughs> but look if you at them, them as yeah, college kids. students, kids still. Yeah, like who are freshmen, play sophomores, play acting juniors adulthood. in college. Yeah. So thirty six play acting adulthood. Yeah. yeah. Oh come on! Nobody has <laughs> to decide when I'm an adult except for me. I'm sure everybody has those moments where you wake up and you're like, oh gosh, my mom's gonna find out I was out all night. <laughs> Oh, wait, I'm 36. I live in my own house, and my kids are going to wake up soon. <laughs> well, the worst part is, of being an adult, is when you look around for an adultier adult, and you can't find one, because you're the adultiest adult around. That sucks. It does. And sometimes you are the adult, and sometimes that's terrible. You help other adults find out their fiduciary futures. Well, and you realize, when you're an adult, you realize that... You nobody, just want to say nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Everybody is faking it until that they make it. That was my horn blast, by the way, was when I figured out that no one mm-hmm. knows what they're doing. Not a single person out there has any idea. Oh, what no, everyone, doing. everyone is literally making it up as they go along, and that is when you realize that that's 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 adulthood. And there's a difference between knowing it and realizing it because. Yeah. I know for a fact that some of Cassie's students listen to this show, and hey guys. and they will hear you say that and be like, "Oh yeah, sure." No, there will be a moment where you are at work, you know, in college, and you will look around. And it's like, "Oh, my boss just doesn't have a fucking clue." No, and there is a like an existential moment of terror tr- when you realize that. You're you're about as good as they are in this moment and in this situation. And it's not a moment where you feel like you know everything and you know better than them. It's like, oh, we're both lost and we're both working yeah, it's, our way it's, through it's this. Not, yeah, it's not, it's not a, oh, I know more than this person situation. It's a, oh, God, we're all boned. <laughs> because none of us know what the fuck we're doing. How did I... Br- you on this train! You, you didn't bring a paddle? I didn't bring a paddle. I thought you'd bring the paddle. How the fuck did we get up shit quick? Because that's what being an adult is. And I, what did I you think say? They the, pooped the bed on that one? That's yeah, how they shit the bed on that. That's how we got up shit quick. <laughs> we shit the bed on that one. Like, they the the bed horse on is watching the dog. We're all in a lot of trouble. And, and if you look at this play in that lens, then this play actually becomes a great play. Yeah. Becomes relevant. And and then the open endedness works in its favor because, well, because oh God, the number of open ended relationships I have yeah. had in my life as an adult, you know, like where you're you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll see you, and you may never see that person again. Yeah, you don't Did know. You murder them in a field? <laughs> no, but. People move away. People grow apart. You know, we were just like that. talking about that earlier. We did. We just talked about that. Yeah, a bit like ago. once you get into your like mid thirties with kids and stuff like that, you start. You to, know, like, if, see if you if you get married, if you have kids, it doesn't even necessarily have to mean that you've done those things. Uh, but you this know, has got, this has gotten very esoteric. <laughs> and not at but, all about the play. But I, well, no, it is though. It is, and I think I think it's because of the way that we have now looked at the play, the lens we've given it. So the challenge then is to find the lens. In which Ryan can see the value in R and J, and I don't mean that as a joke. 
that is a challenge that I think I want to take on is finding a lens in which you can see a merit behind that play. I said a couple nice things when we did the podcast on R&J. I know, but I think... There was like one or two nice... I said nice things. You said there were times which you weren't just screaming that you hate the play. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's that's nice, right? I just think that that there's going to be... Because there's all shows... There's shows shows we all hate. If you can can find it, Beth, more fucking power to you. You from the Bronx? More fucking power to you if you can find if you can find a lens that and I I'm gonna work I it. will be open to it. That's gonna, what I'll say. I'm gonna work it. I will be open to it, and Tyler Ward will shit his pants if you can find a way. He's gonna shit to the bet. On, he's gonna shit the bet on that. <laughs> one. He will. Sh- no, if you shit the bet on that, he will not get to enjoy it. Tyler Ward would never be around when I shit the bed. No, I mean he will not enjoy. He will not. Who would enjoy that? You're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm not. On purpose. <laughs> the, but the fruits of your endeavor. Yeah. If you shit the bed on it, Tyler will not get to enjoy the fruits of your endeavor. No one's going to enjoy the fruits of those this, endeavors. This metaphor is getting labored. Thank so you. let's close the book on Love's Labor's Loss. Oh, oh, yeah! Wow. That was a good one. I'm really. <laughs> that was definitely a Beth way. I'm really, really proud of you for that. That was a Beth way. <laughs> Thank you. That was a best way. I feel like I should have a badge. You, you should. should. Yeah, you just got a new merit badge. Love Achievement it. unlocked. In fact, you can sign off as me tonight. <laughs> I am Beth Roars. She's actually Cassie Greon. Greon. Green. God damn it. Get your Greon. Cassie Greenlee. Beth Roars. Chase Greenlee. Ryan Halfill. We're Shakespeare. Say good night, John Boy. I'm Ryan Halfill. Good night, John Boy. Good night, John Boy. I'm Brian Fantana. (laughs) (laughs) This is Action 5 News.